Well, hello again and welcome in. Wherever you are today, wherever you're listening from, I'm so happy to have you over to feast upon God's Word together. Get your plate ready today and take a seat. It's the 44, which is Matthew 4, 4. Man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let's eat. I'm your host, Jed Yancey, and today I want to talk to you about a study I was reading about that was uh, really started and, and began in 2014, so a few years ago, and is uh, still written about today. You can find some things on it and read for yourself, and it's called Solomon's Paradox. And I'll explain more here in just a little bit about this study, but your first question is likely answered uh, with this. Yes, the study gets its title, uh, Solomon's Paradox, from that Solomon. Uh, You likely know him as the wisest man to ever live, but old boy had some issues in his own life, which is kind of surprising as you read about the kind of wisdom and the kind of discernment that he was able to dish out. Uh, I'm sure for most of you, one that typically rises to the top of your mind uh, in in this list of of great judgments and his wisdom uh, and his ability to wisely judge was that of the two women that were harlots that were told about in 2 Kings 3. Uh, Just briefly, if you've never heard that, story and 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 the recording of that in second kings 3 uh, you have two women and they each have a child and during the night one of the babies dies but the the mother of the baby that had died pulls a switcheroo with the other baby and a bunch of what we would call he said she said goes down after that as the text reads that there was no stranger in the house with them uh, it was only the two of them. They were the only two in this situation. And so they're each claiming that this baby that is alive is theirs. And so they they take the case to Solomon, who says, uh, in, in all of his wisdom, hand me a sword and I'll split the baby in half. And, and you can each get half of the child, which is kind of odd. But of course, the real mother would rather give up her rights as a mom than to see her child die by the sword. And the wisdom of Solomon shows in that story. We read that uh, right after this, that in 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 28, that when all of Israel heard of the judgment which King Solomon had handed down, they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. That's big. It's a lot of wisdom. But here's the issue. And really where this study called Solomon's Paradox gets its name from, in that Solomon's wisdom did not keep him from playing the fool and being the donkey in his own personal life. Like, how could the wisest man who ever lived, a man with so much discernment and so much wisdom, fail and fall so hard in his own personal life? And yet, when it came to other people, and their circumstances or their conflicts, he he always get it right. We're talking about a man that we can read in 1 Kings chapter 3 that prayed to God and he asked for a thing and God commends him. Uh, Solomon, King Solomon, because he, he, he did not ask for riches. 
He didn't ask for military victory. He didn't ask for long life. He asked God for wisdom, for discernment, to understand justice. And so God doesn't commend Solomon for that only. He gives him that wisdom and that discerning heart so that there has been no one like him, the Bible says, before him or anyone to come after him with such wisdom as him. So why why did, the question today, why did King Solomon's wisdom seem to work when it came to others and their issues? For example, the two prostitutes and the conflict they had over the baby, and yet that same great wisdom failed to guide him in controlling and navigating his own life. Why is that the case? Now, Maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about with him. So let me give you the short version. You see, in spite of all the wisdom and all the insight that God gave Solomon, listen to this part. He ended up doing the very thing that the kings of Israel were forbidden to do. Let me read this to you from Deuteronomy chapter 17, and just know that as I read this, that Solomon's life was was lived totally and completely contrary to this that we see God says is how he should have lived. So verse 14, when you enter the land which your Lord God gives you, and you possess it, and you live in it, and you say, I will set a king over me like all the nations who are around me. You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your countrymen. You shall set as a king over yourselves. You you may not put a foreigner over yourselves who is not your countryman. Moreover, he shall not multiply horses for himself, He shall, uh, nor shall he cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never again return that way. Listen to verse 17. He shall not multiply wives for himself, or else his heart will turn away, nor shall he greatly increase silver and gold for himself. And I would propose to you, through the story of Solomon, in the most outrageous ways imaginable, Solomon did multiply his personal wealth. Solomon did multiply wives for himself. Solomon did build altars to the pagan gods. Like, good grief, man. I mean, we don't have time to go into all the details here, but I'm sure you heard or you have used the term to describe someone before that's along the lines of calling them the smartest dumb person I know. Or that that guy is the dumbest smart man I know. Like, that's Solomon. He is the wisest donkey that ever lived. On one hand, when it comes to using his wisdom with others, as we read a while ago, it, it's seen and it's heard about and it's talked about like he's legendary status when it comes to that. But when it comes to his own life, it seems to be non-existent. Because it wasn't just the things God said don't do. For example, some of you know that his son Rehoboam didn't turn out all that great, which I think is a pretty strong indication 
of what became of some of his other children, which the Bible only makes mention of four of his. But but all that to go back to the study titled Solomon's Paradox. And, and what, if anything, that has to do with us. You see, the studies that have been done show this glaring hole in man's ability to give rational and useful advice to other people on one hand, but on the other hand, we fail miserably in our own life. Like, when it comes to your situation and stuff you are going through, I'm an expert. And when I insert myself into your situation, I got this and I can give you some stuff. And and actually, I would add that when I do that, I leave feeling pretty good about the advice I gave you because I'm distanced from it. I, I'm not the one that's actually going through it and dealing with it. We do this all the time, whether you realize it or not, while watching a TV show or a movie. I mean, like I can sit on my couch and I can watch the story unfold before me on TV. And all along the way, I say, what in the world? Why doesn't she just leave him? Or they should do this or they should do that to resolve whatever the conflict the character in the show or the movie is in. Like most of us, we know what is best or rather what is good for other people, what they need to do, why they need to do it, uh, how to get this or that result. But then as I look at my own life, I've not even followed the same exact advice that I've just dished out. Instead, I stay stuck in my problems and my ability to climb my way out seems impossible. So let me save you all the psychological jargon from the study, which is a pretty tough read in case you look it up. Um, you know, for a simpleton like me, it's it's not that easy. But here for your 44 today, I, I want to walk through two very simple questions related to this study and also this problem Solomon had that we all have to why. Why is it, number one, that we can think more clearly and and have more discernment and more wisdom and the the ability to give advice when it comes to other people's problems and yet not my own. And then number two, what do we do about it? Like, how do we fix this in our lives and in a sense, spare some wisdom for ourselves and, and navigate my own life and advise my own life knowing I'm capable of doing it for others. So first things first, the, the first question there, why is it that we seem to have a lot more wisdom and discernment when it comes to things not going on with me, but others? Well, again, I can save you about 20 pages of reading and sum it up this way is the study found that this is the case because when it comes to another person's situation, we have a much more clear sense of self-awareness, and, and we're able to step back from the situation. You see, we aren't necessarily attached to it, and therefore, we are able to think from a, a, a much greater and wider perspective. And I think I can see all of you shaking your head saying, wow, yeah, that's that's true. Because it's not me in that situation, my headspace is a lot more clear 
to be able to think and then to speak what I would do, or here's how I would approach that, or this is what I would say, uh, this is how I would get myself out of that situation. And it's the same thing we do when watching TV. On top of that, when it comes to someone else, I'm usually not personally invested in the outcome of their situation. It's on them how the story ends, right? Um, so I'm I'm not invested in that way. So so now, like as we move into the second part of this, and, and we get the gist of the why and how real this Solomon's paradox thing really is. Consider the second question: What do I do about it? How do I get to a point where I spare some wisdom for myself and advise my own life, knowing I'm capable of doing it for others? So they ask the same questions in this study, and the conclusion is like, whoa. <laughs> because what they found in this study is that those that are able to distance themselves from their own experience in the same way they would for a friend or for someone else, are better able to listen and to hear their own advice and their own voice that's talking to them and, and guiding them. Uh, basically, the conclusion is that if I'm going to spare some wisdom for myself and allow myself to advise myself, then I have to psychologically distance myself, even though it's stuff I'm going through. I mean, how, how true is it? When I'm the one faced with a problem that like my mind is in a fog and, and I can't think and I get caught up in my mess and, and my emotions lord over the way I do think and and how I then act as a result. So they say through this study, the key to bridging this gap between the wisdom I give others versus the wisdom I spare for myself is to try to take a more objective perspective to step back from the situation. Yes, step back from your own personal situation and try to see it from all sides, most especially. Like, in a sense, a good way to put this might be like we would say, um, you know, to step out of your own shoes for a minute. Or one writer put it this way, we need to witness our own experiences from afar. Not by flowing with the current of the river, but by observing the flow from the bank of the river. Now, I know that's easier for me to say than it is to actually do. But all that to say and to lead to this, that in the same way Solomon received his legendary wisdom, we can receive wisdom, not to the level of Solomon, but the Lord does give us wisdom. And guess what? God doesn't give us wisdom just to dish out to other people, but to also spare some for ourselves and to use what he gives you by way of wisdom to guide your own life. So as we close here, I, I think that we need to close with a few of the Proverbs. Um, what God says through the pen of the, of the wisest person that ever lived, the wisest man, Solomon. And, and I, want to, I want you to check out just, just three verses and tell me if you don't see some solutions from him about this Solomon's paradox problem. The first, 
Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 10. Where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. And I would add, yes, even your own advice. You see, where there is problems and there is strife, especially ongoing, it's typically because of my inability to distance myself, to step out of my own shoes for a second, to pray, to reflect, to journal, to think, that I fall flat on my face in the end. You see, it's Solomon's paradox. When I flow with the current of the river, and there is pride, and I can do, and I can swim to shore, and I can get myself out by myself and on my own. As most of you have experienced, that doesn't end well. We drown. You see, wisdom is found in those who take advice. And again, I say, yes, even your own. And in order to do that, we've got to step back. We've got to distance ourselves for a moment. Remove yourself and go to the first best place. Go to him and pray, and read, and study, and journal, and meditate. Number two, Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 11. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Yikes. You see, one of the ingredients to this huge glaring hole between these two situations in the study is emotions. God, through the pen of Solomon, says this, control your emotions, breathe in and out, woosah, in a sense. And at that moment that you do that, you eliminate the possibility of your emotions lording over your next move. And then finally, number three, Proverbs chapter 19 and verse eight, the one who gets wisdom loves life. Does that sound appealing? The one who cherishes understanding will soon prosper. Well, how do I even get wisdom? Well, James tells us to ask for it, but Solomon also says in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we get wisdom when we start to learn to live in the fear of the Lord. There's a a reverence for him that has a great impact on the way I live. Most especially, guess when? When times are tough and when issues arise, fearing him and opening yourself up to his wisdom has a way of making wise the simple. I don't know about y'all, but give me some of that. We grow in wisdom and also how to use wisdom in our everyday lives to safely navigate our issues that arise when we ultimately decide to fear him and use his word as our guide. Hope you enjoyed our time today. I thank you guys so much for listening. I love you. And until next time, keep on eating.